Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Friday episode of Locked On Canadians. It is your mailbag. We are going to be recapping the 4-3 loss to the Florida Panthers and so much more inside today's show. For Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 580 of Locked On Canadians, where we are your first listen of the day every single day of the week. Thank you very much for that. As always, make sure you subscribe on YouTube or podcasts. I am one of your hosts. I am Scott Matla, and I'm joined, as always, by the active stick, Laura Saba. And Laura, both of us kind of went into tonight thinking, oh, God, there is a game tonight. I was wholly unprepared for this because of how exhausting the trade deadline has been. But the Canadians dropped a close one to a very good Florida Panthers team. Uh, how are we feeling coming out of this and with Toronto lurking on Saturday night? Well, I have to say, uh, the obviously, the Florida Panthers, you have a top-ranked team playing against a bottom-ranked team. And the Florida Panthers are clearly a fantastic team. They did not allow the Canadians really into the game. But the Canadians managed to capitalize on a few opportunities. And what I did like... A lot, a lot, I love this, is that even though they were clearly woefully outmatched, they did not quit for a second. They almost tied the game in so many points. In fact, for a long time, the score was tied, right? Like the Canadians, they just, if you just compare it with a few weeks ago, they would have sat back, they would have felt defeated, they would have behaved defeated. And knowing, you know, even after... Uh, losing Jeff Petrie, who went to the to the dressing room for reasons unknown at the time, they did not quit. Even at the very end, you saw how hard they tried. You saw how committed they were to the plays. And it was just so refreshing to see. And that's something that I think they're going to have to carry as they progress. And I, you know what? I can't fault them. They, they did good things they made good plays they were outmatched but they made the game seem so much closer than it should have been yeah I I look at this and for the love of God do not look at natural stat trick because uh it is not pretty the the Panthers (laughs) are a team where their first three lines and I think someone on their fourth line at some point is just 20 goal scorers up and down the lineup and the Canadians do not have that They do not have the depth to match that, which is not an unfair statement, but the effort is there. They're not giving up on the power play. They're blocking shots, clearing shots, making things happen. They're playing for one another. And this is the kind of game that under Dominique Ducharme, they get blown out in the first period. And and it feels mean to dump on the guy, but I don't think we're wrong in saying that. And I, I'm happy with looking at how this team plays in that. And I go, they lost 4-3, but this is a blueprint game for the rest of the Canadian season here is that they're going to be bad. They are not a good team record-wise or otherwise, but they're not quitting and they're building those uh, foundations and those uh, work habits that you want. And there are chances in this game that they could have had to take the lead. They had breakaway chances. They had 
amazing saves by Spencer Knight that robbed them of goals. It wasn't for a lack of effort that they lost to the Florida Panthers. It's just they don't have a team where they go 25, 25, 25 goal score, 25, 25, 25 goal score. The An MVP candidate on one line with Claude Giroux and Alexander Barkov, Sam Reinhardt and Anthony Duclair. They can't match that. Uh, and the biggest thing I think out of this is one, Jake Allen was incredible again. It, it is mind-blowing what kind of difference he makes when he's on the ice there. And we know Samuel Montembeau it, tried his best when he was here. And Caden Primo tried his best. And Andrew Hammond was at his best when he was here. Jake Allen is what an actual quality NHL starter looks like. And we are very lucky that he was not moved at the deadline. Kyle Dubas, you missed your chance. Sorry, bye-bye. Uh, and I think, depending on what's going on with Carey Price, having Jake Allen here at least in the next year is a huge win uh, for Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon. I think so too. And I think back to not just about the Canadians, but you hear this about a lot of teams and a lot of times is that this team is better than their record. This team is better than their result. This team is better than, I think in the Canadian, in the, in the, in the case of the Canadians, I think what's really impressive is you can describe them and say, this team is playing better than they actually are. And that's something that's incredible to me. Having lost two players that were kind of, you know, the pillars of their offense, as well as Ben Sherratt, they kind of, they're still playing as if they have a shot, right? Like as if they have a chance to win and they're, they're definitely rising above. And I really love that. I absolutely love that because there are going to be times, even when they are good, even when they're better, when they're a more complete lineup, when they're, you know, competing, when they're competitive, when they're contending, there are going to be times where, they, where they're going to be overmatched or they're going to need to reach a bit high and higher than, you know, the, the, the players that they ice in the lineup. And so that's a habit. It's a long-term habit that I hope uh, Martin Saint-Louis is instilling. I don't know if I'm being very clear, but I think that our listeners are kind of getting what I'm saying, right? Like this is a habit more than it is a specific game. It's rebuilding a team that had fallen out of best practices. And that sounds very like corporate of me to say, but at the same time, it is like Mike Hoffman's making plays that he was expected to make. We're seeing guys do what we know they're capable of. And someone who's going to be stepping into this lineup very shortly here, and we were expecting him to anyways, uh, but Justin Barron is likely to be in the lineup, potentially a game ahead of schedule. Um, it was likely that he was going to play Sunday against the New Jersey Devils. You don't want to throw the new guy in against either the Panthers or the Leafs, which uh, is usually what the Canadians only did with goaltenders for a while. But uh, we don't know what the status of Jeff Petrie is, and it would be his third career NHL game. He's played two with Colorado this year, uh, and he's played 43 AHL games with the Colorado Eagles this year. I'm very excited uh, to see what Justin Barron can do. He's been working with the Habs' new um, skills coach uh, after practice this week, just kind of working on some skills for the uh, upcoming games here. I don't know if he's going to play a ton at first. I assume he's going to be in on the third pair and they'll move one of the veterans up a little bit. Um, I'm not going to predict much of anything because every time I do it all goes to crap, but uh, I'm very excited to see what Justin Barron can do in this lineup here. It, even if it's just in, you know, limited minutes this weekend. Um, and speaking of this weekend and speaking of everything else, it is Friday. That means it is our Friday mailbag. 
And we are going to dive into so many of the questions that you sent us coming up next. But first, if you've listened to this show before, you know how much this podcast loves Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, low calories, low sugar, low net carbs, high in protein, everything you want. And they have flavors for everybody from white chocolate cookies and cream, like mint brownie, coconut almond, and everything else. And if you're a big fan of Built Bar, you got to try out Built Puffs. They are protein-infused marshmallows. They're light, fluffy, and they melt so easily right inside your mouth there. Or if you're like me, melt them in a hot chocolate and get some protein in hot chocolate because why not? And you get things like cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. There is a flavor for everybody inside of Built Bar. And if you go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, you're going to get 15% off of your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at Built.com. Keep an eye out. They are always adding new flavors. And we are back. As always, thank you for making us your first listen of the day or first watch if you are watching on YouTube, in which case, hello out there. And it, it is Friday. That means the mailbag is our favorite part of the week. And if you want to send us mailbag questions, you can do so at LO underscore Canadians on Twitter, LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com, or in the YouTube comments on our Thursday videos. We love, 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 love listener questions. Uh, since I am hosting the show this week, Laura is uh, – the mailbag master. Laura, what do we have in store this week? So let's start with some of our Locked On co-hosts in the group chat. They asked us some questions. And Jay Foster of Locked On Blue Jackets, good friend of ours, first asks, who has the best team dog? That's that's tough because they're all there's no bad dogs. So like I feel like this is a they're very all good un- dogs. They're all good dogs. There are no bad dogs. Um <laughs> Even the Bruins, I think they had a puppy for a little bit, but like there are no, I, I assume that no, there are no bad dogs. There are no bad dogs. Sorry, Jay. I know that's probably not the, the it's best a cop answer, no, but it's, it's the correct, it's, it's the correct, it's the correct answer. And I, as someone who's is not currently sleeping in the other room right now, I'm very saddened by the lack of dogs in my house right now. <laughs> uh, and Jay continues, what is Josh Anderson's best physical feature? We are a family show. The eyes. I, I'm going to say <laughs> it's it's the smirk because every now and then he gets that smirk on his face and you're like, oh, <laughs> you're too handsome to be this much of a jerk. Like, he, I, I can't so describe it. There's so many things to choose from. There's so yeah. many things to choose from. We, we can only have so many on this show, unfortunately, because we are very, <laughs> we do run a very tight schedule in terms of that, it's though. It's true. So. Okay, so I'm going to say his eyes and runner-up is the hair. And then finally, <laughs> this is a great question. If you had to replace one hab with a Canada goose, who would it be and why? It'd be Brendan Gallagher. You're not changing anything. It, they're not very tall. <laughs> they make a lot of noise. They piss off everybody. And they solely exist to ruin the lives of everyone across North America. Brian Fisher of Locked On Red Wings, also big fan of Locked On Red Wings. Who is your favorite Boston Bruin if you had to choose one? Patrice Bergeron. I was going to say, it's Patrice Bergeron. David Posternock is a runner-up, though. I I greatly enjoyed it. (laughs) Wow. Okay, fair. Fair. That's fair. He's like no, it's it's like it's Patrice Bergeron, and then like like layers and layers of other teams, and then like Posternock, and then like everybody else, and then more Bruins. 
All right. Uh, Stefan asks us, what are your thoughts on a player changing their number when one becomes available? During the Q&A with Hughes and Gorton, it was asked if Cole would change his number from 22 to 8 because he wore 8 during his days at Wisconsin. I, I'm usually I, I'm not really picky on that. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on like veteran respect. Like when uh, Ilya Kovalchuk joined the team, Brett Kulak changed from 17 to 77. And then when Josh Anderson joined the team, surprisingly, Anderson kept 17 instead of going to 7-7 like he'd worn in Columbus. Um, I, I usually am not a big, you know, picky person on that, but I also imagine the Canadians have sold an absolute truckload of 22 shirts and jerseys and other merchandise that uh, him changing midseason would be uh, a lot of jersey replacements, which are not cheap, unfortunately. Uh, in the offseason, if he were to change, I'd be all for it. So I think it depends on the situation. When you've got a true star coming in, like um, I forget who it was that Brendan Gallagher. It was uh, Michael Ryder came in and Brendan Gallagher changed from 73 to somehow 11, which was available at the time. So it doesn't, <laughs> which to it, me is a crime, but we're not going to get into that. We don't have that much time today. Yeah, it's it doesn't bug me too much. I get it, Mom, but I wouldn't be shocked if he changes in the offseason. Mm-hmm. So our friend Randy Hansen asks, did any top prospects surprise you in the prospects game? Who's made you see them differently? I admittedly did not have a chance to watch the top prospects games because I was covering uh, the rocket at the same time. And I haven't had a chance to go over Matt Drake's timeline because he was the one making uh, video and clips of all the saves and everything. Shane Wright continues to impress me in ways that Nick Suzuki does a little bit and that he does all the little things right in his game. And when we talked with Tony Ferrari a couple of weeks ago about him, that's what I'm seeing more and more of. He's not always the flashiest guy on the ice, but he's effective. And I think that's a huge, uh, that's something the Canadians could actually really use in this lineup. We know Nick Suzuki can do that. And if one Nick Suzuki is good, uh, even if he's Nick Suzuki light, it's still a really nice combination to have. There's a question for me. Can Laura get a funky hat too? Or does Scott get to be the only one? How about a locked on hat? So I've got a locked on cap and I've got a locked on beanie. I will admit that I put them away somewhere where my parents were coming to visit. And I have no idea where that is. So that is why you don't see me wear them. So often when I have a bad hair day, you see me cover it up with a headband. Um, but I do have hats and I will wear them. But if my hair is behaving, I like to leave it down because it's it's not always the case. And then we've got another question from Randy. Are live shows on YouTube going to be a regular thing now? I have to say, I was on the verge of peeing my pants the last time we did one, even though there weren't that many people that were on the stream. So I was terrified um, and I will get used to it and we will do more live shows because it seems that people like the idea of chatting with us while we were doing a show. I'd like to do one for like the draft lottery or something too. Like I feel like that'd be a lot of fun or if we're not, I imagine we will be at the NHL draft in some capacity because if we're not for whatever reason, which I'm more than betting we will be. I would love to do a first round show because for those who remember Spotify green rooms that we did, um, those were a wild time and a live show was a lot of fun. Um, we'll look at what we can do uh, to facilitate more of those because they are a lot of fun and it's good to hang out with people in a live setting. We know COVID has kind of robbed people of having that ability. Not that we were planning like a stage show or anything, but 
it is nice to get to hang out with uh, fans and listeners and other stuff. So, um, Laura, do we have one more short question? We've got a question from Randy. It says, wish to hear more detail on how Romanov was almost ruined by Montreal. Can we get some further explanation? Was a great episode, but that comment begged for expansion. So this is, goes to our episode with Russ, and I believe he said they almost ruined Kotkaniemi. Um, and I believe the context of that discussion was the Canadians rushing uh, prospects to a level higher than they should. So whether they sh- they're not ready for the AHL and then rushing them to Laval, or they're not ready for the NHL and rushing them to the NHL, not giving them some buffer uh, to improve. I think that was the context of, of the of the conversation. With Kat Kinyemi, we're not going to relitigate that, but I do think that with Kat Kinyemi, I personally feel, and I think, Scott, you and I have discussed this a few times, is that both sides were kind of to blame. Kat Kinyemi needed to do a little bit more, but the Canadians did rush him and put him in a position where they wanted him to succeed, but they didn't necessarily give him the tools or the support to succeed. And it's really good to see that um, the development is uh, at the forefront of Gorton and Hughes' minds. And hopefully it'll be better going forward because as, and, and this is not just Randy, it's not just Russ, a lot of listeners to have pointed out in our YouTube comments as well, how they hope that, you know, the next set of prospects that the Canadians get don't get rushed. If they are going to rebuild, there's a little bit of time to be patient with some of these players. And I fully agree. And I think part of it too, is that, yeah, they were rushed in there because of necessity to fill positions that the team didn't have filled through the failings of the previous regime at GM. And I also look at it and go, they got here and then they were not given a real defined role. Like Kotkaniemi played defensive minutes, but they expected him to score more and do this. Alexander Romanov has been top pairing, bottom pairing, scratched, do this, be on the power play. Okay, you're mainly a penalty killer now. There's too many roles being juggled through here. And and I think part of it is they need to simplify what they expect from these guys and then build on that. Don't just go, we need you to do all these things at once because it's a lot. And not every player can do that, especially when you're the Canadians and your expectation is, We want to win. We want to get into the playoffs and contend for a cup. If you don't set your expectations realistically, you're going to set yourself up for failure. Kotkaniemi likely made this team because Max Domi got himself suspended in that preseason. If he went back to Finland, it would not have been the end of the world. The Habs were not good that year, remember? They finished, what, 24th and made the bubble playoffs and Mm -hmm. almost beat the Flyers? Like... It, 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 you got to set realistic goals here. And the Bergevin regime was, we're going to do this. And how we get there, who the hell knows? So um, obviously we don't want to relitigate the whole thing. We'd need four episodes alone for that. But having an actual set plan in place is a uh, crucial, crucial thing, which thankfully this uh, new to have. We are going to get to the rest of your mailbag questions coming up in our final segment. Uh, But first, it is that time of year again as March Madness is fully upon us. And if you want the latest odds, contests, player props, betonline.net is the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. BetOnline remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. 
All right, we are back. It is the final segment of our Friday mailbag. They go so quickly. It is our favorite part of the week. Remember, you can drop a comment below on YouTube in the comments on any of our videos for us to get to. You can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. You can email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. You can mail me $500 with a question attached to it. I'm not really picky of how it gets here, but Laura, what else do we have in the mailbag this week? Uh, Jeff the Red asks, if the Canadians deal Petrie in the offseason, should they aim to get another veteran to join Edmondson on what will otherwise be a likely pretty young defense core? I would go young. <laughs> I, here's my thing about this is that we keep seeing things about John Klingberg being a free agent this offseason, and he wants to stay in Dallas, but Dallas hasn't made quite the strides to get him signed back up. And my first thought is, Ken Hughes and Jeff Gordon have both talked about making a big splash in the offseason. Uh, losing Jeff Petrie and getting John Klingberg in return sounds pretty damn big to me in all regards, and he fits that window that they're looking for here. I'd like to go younger. I'm, I'm not fully uh, sold on trading Jeff Petrie until I know what the rumored kind of return is out there, uh, but you got to look for that guy, you know, late 20s, uh, they need a right defenseman because poor David Savard cannot do it on his own. And that's like trying to find a unicorn on the free agent market. So it's going to be, it's going to be a tough task for them. I think there's going to be someone coming back in a trade when Petrie does go, that's supposed to fill that spot. So I'm going to combine two questions. Jesse ha underscore Habs asks, predict which spot the Habs will get at the draft, please. And Jeff, the red asks, What's the lowest pick in the first round the Canadians could fall to in the 2022 draft that would still leave you content? So where do we think and where where do, where do we want? Well, I, I think they're going to end up picking first. I, I, I can feel it in my bones. And if they don't, it's not the end of the world. And if we're talking with just the Canadians first round pick, uh, if it falls out of the top 10, I'm going to be upset because that means it goes to Arizona. Arizona which I'd really mm -hmm. rather not give them one picks to money launder in the desert. So, um, no, we I, would then get Carolinas, which sucks. Yeah. Which if they means fall out of two, the top 10. If they fall out of the top 10, Arizona gets Montreal's pick and not yep. Carolinas. And we get to keep Carolinas. We don't want that. So personally for me, I believe that they're going to also, they're going to finish 31st and not 32nd, but I believe they're going to win the draft lottery and pick first i that's that's a feeling that i have um but i would be content anywhere in the top four but that's only because i'm mostly familiar with with the the players that could go in the first like five or six and i think that there's like serious gems in the top four or five so that's where i would 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 um ah hope they end up all right uh so Jeff the Red also asks, out of the core of young D-men the Habs now have, who do you see making the team to start next season? Young D-men. This is tough because I think Matthias Norlinder is going to get a good look. I think Jordan Harris and Caden Gooley are all going to get a look. And I think Norlinder has a potential leg up because he played the way Martin St. Louis play, has his team playing hockey and the way that he's kind of utilized Corey Schooneman as a, as a free-flowing defenseman, I think bodes really well for someone like Matthias Norlinder. And I think that's going to be a huge thing for him. He's going to be given a role to play within that fits his play style. He's not going to be sitting on the bench in three-on-three -three overtime waiting for a shift. Um, 
And then right behind that, I think it's Caden Gooley. And Jordan Harris could surprise me. I Who knows? But I think uh, Caden Gooley is the most eddy. But I think Matthias Norlinder's set is going to give him a little bit of a leg up in terms of those young defensemen. Jeff asks, how fun is the draft going to be? <laughs> I have been... I have been waiting so long for the draft again. I got to go to the one in Buffalo, and that was the weekend they traded uh, Lars Eller, and that's the only Canadians jersey I brought with me. And the keeper of the cup, when I went to take a photo with the Stanley Cup, looked at the back of my jersey and looked at me and goes, rough weekend, and laughed. So um, it was tough. Um, I was really excited for the draft combine. We had talked to Russ on our last episode a little bit after we went off air, and it turns out when it is back in Buffalo, I have a wedding to go to, and I will not be able to attend like I had originally hoped. So uh, I am putting all of my eggs into the draft weekend basket. Laura is putting together a massive spreadsheet. I cannot wait because it's a Thursday and a Friday, which then means I have Friday evening, all day Saturday, and Sunday morning to explore the city of Montreal. And I am so, so excited for that to happen. As someone who lives in Montreal and gets to experience it on a regular basis, I'm more excited than you could possibly imagine for everybody to descend on the city and for it to be a big party. All right, Kyle Demetrius, our good friend from Locked On Sharks, the main character of every Locked On podcast <laughs> with, is, is Kyle. And his question is, is Cole Caulfield a better fit long-term for Nick Suzuki? Or a different center that's a bit bigger and more focused on racking up 80 assists like a Nick Backstrom. Imagine having that. Like, imagine having such an embarrassment of riches that you can take Nick Suzuki off the... Sorry, you can take Cole Caulfield off the Nick Suzuki line and still have him produce. Like, imagine that. I... Like, here's the thing is, I'm like... I Because I don't have anyone in the Habs prospect pool who fits that, but at the same time, like... That's going to change real quickly with all the draft picks they have and the plans that like Hughes and Gordon have. And my first thought is, why take Cole Caulfield off the Nick Suzuki line when you can move Nick Suzuki and them down a line and just play Patrice Bergeron in your defensive minutes instead? So, um, like I said, my one thought as we talked about this in another mailbag is one of my dream options is someone like Evgeny Malkin, who can be a playmaker and a play driver and is going to draw so much attention that he can be setting up plays for Caulfield to finish off like that is that is that's a dream scenario right there because you know like Malkin can play with goal scorers did it with Phil Kessel and I think Cole Caulfield's got a better shot than Kessel does like it it, it, that's the dream baby like that big mean nasty center is just going to get the puck to where it needs to be um, so there's a question about the Toronto Maple Leafs that we will leave to our Monday episode because it's kind of making fun of them. And I don't want to like karmically attract anything bad for tomorrow's <laughs> game. Or, yeah, it's tomorrow's game at the, by the time you're listening to this. So we're going to uh, punt that one until Monday. Uh, and then Chris asks, any idea who's on the Dadanov no trade list? Did you think Vegas will deal him for a goalie to get them to the playoffs? And would Montreal look to acquire him while presumably his price would be very low? If Vegas trades Dadanov, then whoever they get can't play not for the regular season, not for the playoffs. So I would, if I'm Vegas, I would want like LTIR cap space in exchange for him. And then he is also, it has to be 
teams that are on his or teams that he would be okay with being traded to and then not playing for the remainder of the season. So I don't necessarily see this happening, but if I'm Vegas, I don't treat my players very well. So I see them trying to wheel and deal and try to get LTIR cap space. The Canadians do have some, uh, so they can trade it to Vegas. Funny enough, they actually can't. Vegas doesn't have the cap space to acquire Shea Weber's contract because they have to fit Weber's cap hit, that's $7.8 million, under their cap right now before they can put him on LTIR. They have to be as close to zero oh. as they can. You can't just have – you can't – like because otherwise they'd be like, we want to take Carey Price and this and that, and then they have seven – we want to add $17 million to LTIR. You have to get them under your cap first and get as close to the cap limit as you can. Toronto has unfortunately been very good at this, so when you put someone on LTIR, you get as much of their cap hit in that LTIR pool to go over by. And they cannot fit. Even if they trade Dodonov to Montreal, they do not have the cap space to acquire Shea Weber's deal and then LTIR him. And even with that, they don't have enough to activate both Stone and Martinez, which is why this is likely going to be an offseason trade. It's really awkward. Uh, Vegas looks bad. Ottawa looks bad. Anaheim, I think, is somehow... Not at all at fault for this, which is unfortunate for them. Uh, they wanted Mont- that enough. Yeah, exactly. And Montreal also doesn't have the cap space for Evgeny Dodonov either, especially if Carey Price is coming back because uh, uh, that's $10.5 million they have to make room for that they do not have right now. So um, I, I have learned a lot about uh, how LTIR works in the last couple of weeks here, but unless you can fit that cap it on your cap, as close to the ceiling as possible, the better. And right now Vegas cannot afford Shea Weber's cap hit. And Montreal's not going to retain salary on a dead cap. Like that's just not a thing they're going to do. So um, cancel any of your Dodonov to Montreal trades. It's not going to happen in the regular season right now, barring uh, someone else who's okay with sitting out the season going back to Vegas. Correct. All right. Uh, One last question from our good friend, Beth. Of the happy hour. Hi, Beth. What is your ideal breakfast when you're not eating a built bar? Who uh, steak and eggs, uh, country fried steak and eggs at a diner where they have those weird, like, um, privacy glass red Coca Cola cups or whatever that they give you, and uh, a waitress who just continually refills your coffee without even asking. Uh, you know exactly the kind of diner I'm talking about, and you end up paying like. 27 for like a three course breakfast like country fried steak and eggs with sausage gravy on top of it is ideal my absolute favorite thing in the world, especially in the winter a nice big rich hearty breakfast and for me i it depends on if if we're talking if someone else is making it then benedict's i really like hollandaise sauce i can't make a good one I'm also very bad at poaching eggs, although I have finally mastered soft-boiled eggs. I know Beth is vegan. Uh, I do know how to make a vegan hollandaise. It's not the same thing, but it does. It's passable. So if you ever want Beth, I'll make you vegan hollandaise. Um, and uh, and at home, I've been doing this thing where I made freezer oat pancakes. Super super simple. I made a bunch of oat 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 flour pancakes and I put them in the freezer you just take them out and stick them in the toaster and then you put a little bit of nut butter like a drizzle of of um syrup and some chia seeds and it's an extremely filling breakfast now that I've started working out again it's really really been doing the trick when I'm not eating a built bar obviously when during the week I am using built bar uh because 
I don't have that kind of time every morning, but on weekends I do splurge and that's the ideal breakfast I have. And that is what we have in our mailbag this week. As Scott mentioned, you can email us at lockedonkitties at gmail.com if you have mailbag questions. Also leave questions in the YouTube comments without being a jerk. Um, and also you can tweet us at LO underscore Canadians. Yes. And as always, please make sure you're following Laura at the active stick and myself at Scott Mallow. And you were done us your first listen of the day on fantasy hockey so you can rule over your fantasy hockey league as your playoffs begin and so much more we will see you all on the flip side